we are back. We are back. Welcome to Match Point number nine, a tennis bets podcast. I am one of three hosts here, David E.J. Berger. You can find our show handle at MP9Tennis on Twitter. If this is your first time listening, chances are that's how you found us. Welcome. Hello. If you're a returning listener, returning champion, thank you. Thank you for coming back. Uh, appreciate it. The pod is is growing, and uh, we appreciate each and every listener out there. Uh, with me, as always, is uh, my number one tennis talking bro, Derek. Derek, hello. What's up, everyone? Dude, freaking super stoked that we got this five-set tennis going. And now we got another round, so now we got more picks. Let's do this. Absolutely. And with us once again, uh, as always now, actually, I should say, uh, the number one uh, hated man by Rafael Nadal fans <laughs> after after last episode, uh mr john reed you can find him at jr tweets tennis find his own brand at tidbits tennis you can find him on the action network betting expert hammer hq i saw you making the rounds too a bit on other podcasts john so you gotta check this guy out he's out there chatting up tennis uh, and he's engaging as well john thank you for joining us once again thank you yeah i'm uh pretty excited got the uh, first week going on here i haven't lost too much money yet so uh, I consider that a success. Live to bed another day. And uh, I agree with you. Got to appreciate every single listener, even if they're Rafael Nadal fans. <laughs> the fans are upset, uh, which we'll <laughs> we'll get into. Uh, but I won't, uh, I won't dance on his injury. I won't do that. But I will no. say I'm glad he's out, if that makes sense. I'm glad Mackie was beating him before the injury. How about that? That way I'm not pissing, you know, I'm not being a bad person. I heard Ben Stiller unsubscribed to our podcast specifically because of you <laughs> no we, we 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 lost stiller no we lost stiller dude i don't uh, know how we're ever gonna get him back we gotta get zoolander back okay well this is a tennis betting podcast it's in the gambling space so transparency accountability however you want to phrase it is king quick recap from our, our first round best bets episode we did pretty well guys uh my best bets went three one and one with Yoshi cash and money line uh, at pick against Emer Kubler. McCubler. Uh He won by six, covered the five games against Baez, hit the over three and a half with Brooksby O'Connell. Matteo Berrettini was my lead best bet, and he, of course, did not cover nor win the match. And I have a show note here, dead to me, question mark? <laughs> <laughs> he might be. He might be. But we bet... Numbers, not players, right? That's what we tell ourselves anyway. Anyway, fuck. Uh, Novak, he pushed 11 against RCB. He did bagel him, which I said was in the cards. So wish I would have got that cover, but uh, I like that the bagel came through. I threw that out there. Other plays, we had Rinky, uh, Hajikata. He stormed back against Hoffman to, to cash as a slight dog. Uh, we had uh, Nadal and Draper over three and a half. We had less CM money line cash. This is a lot of winner guys. A lot of winners we gave out. Pretty great. We talked about Wolf. We weren't fully committed, but we did like Wolf against Thompson. Shelton did not cover. We talked about that. Uh, John, you threw a little. You threw a little uh, water on my my Shelton Flames on that pick actually. So it was a good both sides there. And then uh, Yibling Wu lost to Mutet, uh, who ruined my night's sleep last night um, in the second round. And then uh, Galan who i mean the reasoning and the handicap was great because you know shardy was first match back uh, but he seemed fine despite as john eloquently stated certain medical procedures <laughs> i i feel like 
if you had Galan in a parlay, you got kind of screwed with the, the weather delay because I was watching that match and Shardy was done, man. Like he was done. <laughs> and then he got a two and a half hour break uh, to, to get better. And then early trap of the year line, Brandon Nakashima did not cover the three against Mackie McDonald, who then turned around in the next round and took down the defending champion, Rafa Nadal. Um, we can get into that, but uh, I'll just keep plowing through these dog bombs. We hit Shang and my guy, Delabor, Svachina, uh, Borges, and Kontov did not come through, but they were tight matches. If you, if you had a sprinkle on those, uh, I don't think you were totally upset. Um, a couple of plays I had yesterday, I I chased my guy, Delabor, who I'm a big fan of. Uh, plus seven against Yoshi. You couldn't get there. I, but, I mean, listen to your own podcast. You're all in on the Yoshi train, man. Why did you <laughs> step in <laughs> front of it? Um, and then, uh, yeah, as I said, I was on Mutet Moneyline yesterday. And this, I was, I bet it early. Um, I wish John did as well when he was the dog, but he, he moved over 35 cents throughout the day. So when that was happening, I was a little bit concerned. Uh, and then my concern was came to fruition. Uh, and then I had the the over 37 and a half with Kudla uh, Safayan yesterday, so that was pretty good for me. Um, there's a lot of me talking, so I want to open the floor here. Any thoughts on the action so far from you guys? Yeah, he's Carl Temute cost me a lot of money. I would be up, I believe, several in the five to ten unit range, somewhere in there, if uh, if I hadn't have just hadn't have bet his matches uh, because I had uh, Wu. At a unit and a half, and then I had him uh, last night at two and a half units, and I had a minus one and a half cents for another unit. So, yeah, let's just say um, six and a half, I think, units now. No, what is what is that? Four and a half, five units, something like that. Either way, it cost me a lot of money. It cost me a lot of money. I mean, I yeah, feel yeah. like it was. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Derek. Oh no, 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 no. You you can continue. Sorry. Uh, I feel like Mutet was a, a solid process play. I mean, the guy had over a hundred more hardcore Elo points. He was the dog in the match, and I, I mean, at this point, I've had this guy beat me with Bodic at the USO, and then he just took my money with Wu. Uh, so, and, and you know, Sarandolo, not you know, an obvious hard quarter. So, I think the price was right, as we said, as I said before, we played the the, the price, not the players, but uh, that steam certainly um, was an indicator that maybe I was on the wrong side, which sucked. Um, and then he also like was up a set and a break. And John, you eloquently described how badly he blew the match uh, right before he hopped on in the service in his service games. Yeah, first five times he was broken, he had a thirty love, forty fifteen, or forty love lead on serves. So you know, uh, let's just say overwhelming favorite. You know, when you don't have a big serve, if you're broken because you lose the first couple points, you have a couple second serves that get destroyed. That's fine. When you get up 30 love, it's like those are kind of the games you have to have if you're not a big server, right? You're not you're not going to be able to recover many love 30s. So you got to have the ones you do jump out in, in front in. So that's pretty much for me the story of the match. Plus, he just kind of melted mentally, which is what he's want to do. Kind of why I like the minus one and a half sets. If he was going to win uh, as a slight plus money underdog, I feel like the, the minus one and a half sets was also uh, a half decent play. I I know he played five last time, but Wu is just a supremely more talented, more you know, offensive and, and more hardcore natural than than Sarundalo. And if Mute was going to melt, the money line wasn't going to cash either. So I was trying to double up there 
uh, get greedy and uh, got, came, got caught with my hand in the cookie tray. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you bring uh, up losing money on Mute, and it makes me feel better that I lost a bunch of money on Rafa last night live. That was that was a, a thriller. Um, dude, you, you that, did bet three pre-injury, though, in, in fairness. I, I did, and then he broke back, and everything looked like it was like how it was supposed to go, and then... He got a hip replacement where he replaces hip with like Andy Murray's old one or something like that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you you all know what happened at the end of that one. So that was pretty fun. But just dude, I don't know. Does labor look like it's running slow a little to you guys or playing well, a little slow? And it, so I, I looked it up and uh, Maria Zachary said that she thinks that it's playing slow, too. Um, The Gil Gross made a good point here that it was it was rewarding the flatter hitters just because the roof was closed, which drastically lowers the temperature. I believe that affects how quickly the balls fluff up, which mm-hmm. slows things down. So if the balls aren't flopping, flopping up as quickly and they're not bouncing as high, it really hurts, to- hurts topspin guys, which Rafa is like the biggest topspin hitter of all time. And then it rewards yeah. flatter hitters. And Mackie is a pure out and out flat hitter. So it kind of allowed him to take more and more time away from Rafa um, because you know the roof closed, temperature down. You saw people all bundled up uh, during the afternoon and 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 into the night sessions. There, people wearing jackets and and blankets over the jacket, and like it got pretty cool. So um, that was certainly a consideration. Yeah, and plus Rafa is just known to not be good in indoor hard courts as well too. Um, but yeah, no, Mackie played great in the first uh, set, but um, it turns out that Mackie is like the person that I've watched the most. <laughs> actually at this tournament indirectly but i'll get to that later well he's certainly a headliner so far so can't blame you there uh speaking of other quick headlines uh Medvedev is rolling i believe he's covered both of his matches uh, with pretty hefty lines uh since pot's rolling as well he bageled rinky in the second round uh faa has struggled uh i hit him live last night at uh, plus 125 uh, so that was a nice little come up for me. I appreciate that, FAA. Um, Novak, still around minus 120 to win, uh, but the field is minus 110. So you can you can pick everybody else but Novak for minus 110. Novak now has a nagging hamstring injury. He, he said, quote-unquote, less than ideal. Uh, are we still uh, – how are we feeling about Novak and his chances to win here? Do we want to sprinkle the field? Uh, at this point for only i mean minus 110 to take literally every other player it's i mean he could pull up uh nadal style uh, in a match Miami just takes him out let alone or not necessarily losing to someone so any thoughts on that from you guys um i personally actually didn't catch his match i'm interested to hear what you guys are saying like uh like did he look fine in his match or what yeah yeah, he he did. Uh, like, and that was Carbias Bayana playing t- two sets of the best hardcore tennis I probably think anyone's ever seen out of Carbias Bayana. Just a little more aggressive with the forehand, painting some lines, had Djokovic looking up. And then he took over, but I mean, I, I'm not like the Novak Djokovic expert. I do like watching his matches. I do watch him a lot. I didn't see a significant downgrade in his movement. I didn't see a significant downgrade in his serve. I mean, I, I he's obviously trying to downplay some sort of expectations. And then there's probably also a part of that that's also true that 
yeah, it's probably not ideal, but not ideal Novak Djokovic is still better than everyone else in the world. So that's also a subjective thing. Not ideal. Well, I mean, if he's down 5%, he's still winning the Australian Open. If he's down 35%, it's a different story. So, I mean, depends on how you take that and how you want to quantify it, right? Mm-hmm. It bothered him so much that he bageled his opponent in the last <laughs> set of that match. Uh, he got out of it quick. All right, guys. Well, let's turn the page to uh, today and uh, the first day of round three uh, with some best bets. I have some. I have some picks here. I can start off with just to to get the ball rolling here. And uh, my first play is Ben Shelton versus Nicholas Yari. Jari. Hottie, I'm- one of them. Hari, one of those. I should, I should, I should figure that out. Uh, under forty-two and a half at minus one fifteen. Now this total is just insanely jacked that you pretty much need it to break perfectly uh, with at least one tiebreak set, if not two tiebreaks, which could happen. I mean, uh, Sheldon obviously a big serve guy, plays a lot of tiebreaks uh, his young career so far, and and uh, Yari has been uh, de- serving pretty decent um, here at the AO. So far, qualifying in, uh, but I'm going to take a shot that it fails. Uh, I have a now. This line is moving. The money line is moving. So Shelton is down from 140 down to minus 125 uh, as the favorite. Um, I wrote down now. I wrote down here sneaking suspicion. You already will pull this one out, but I'm hoping I'm wrong. I don't want to. I don't want to take a side. I want to root for Ben to close this out in four sets. But 42 and a half. I mean, you don't even see Isner matches get that high. It's sort of like 40, 41. It's just an insanely high total that I'm going to, I'm going to chase the under on. Any thoughts on that guys? Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm with Ben Shelton all the way here. Um, look, I wrote this up for the action network and I it, like, let's, let's look at it from two different perspectives. This has to be this, ha- there has to be some sort of like hold percentage or some sort of me- like data metric that favors Nico that is pushing it pushing people to bet the Chilean. When I look at this from a matchup perspective, there is no chance that it favors Nico Hadi. I don't like, first of all, his backhand is awful. Ben Shelton's be blasting forehands and serves in there. Second of all, who's got a better net game? Well, I mean, I don't think Shelton's the most refined, but he's a lot more athletic and is going to get to net quicker. Speaking of athleticism, his first step and his movement is infinitely better. He's got more variety. His backhand is not just not a weakness, but actually pretty solid. Hadi's backhand is horrible. The first serves, I don't even think you can really credit Hadi with having a better first serve than Shelton. Maybe even if it is, it's marginally better. It's marginally better. Shelton has the second serve that he can take out wide and pull Hadi off the court. If there's a guy that's going to break in this match, it's more likely to be Ben Shelton. I'm not saying Jari won't at all break. I'm saying that it's more likely that Ben Shelton will apply more pressure on return. He's more athletic, and this isn't the same sort of trap uh, matchup that he had in the first round where he had a, a big hitter and, and decent server in Zhang. But Zhang is a, started off winning a lot on clay at the Challenger Tour, but also grew up or, or came up playing a lot of hard courts in a part of the world that's primarily hard courts, especially quick hard courts. So he can hit. He's very good moving side to side along the baseline, and he's very athletic. Hadi is none of those things. Shelton still came through Zhang Zhizhen. I don't understand why this line is moving towards the Chilean so much. 
this is a very good matchup for Ben, unless there's info out there. And I, I tried looking for some, I didn't see anything on any injury news or any fatigue uh, sides of things. It could be a narrative play where people are saying Shelton off of, you know, his first best of five match, it went the distance. He's not going to have the energy. If you believe that, then I encourage you to go back and look at what he did at the end of last year, where he played three weeks in a row or three weeks in four and made the final and won every single one of those events. The guy is willing to play day after day after day after day. He's 19 or 20 years old. <laughs> There's no like, this ain't Andy Murray. You're not worried about how he's going to hold up right now in the next round. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just his age alone. I mean, the, I don't think uh, fatigue is really going to bother this kid all that much. Um, Derek, do you have any Shelton thoughts? By the way, I just bet them. You, you convinced me, John. <laughs> I took the reduced price. It creeped down. It's at minus 125. I, I just bet Shelton money line. Derek, any Shelton thoughts? Dude, when I was just scanning the the list of bets this morning, that one popped out. Like I did not expect Ben Shelton to be anywhere close to be even money on that one. I mean, Nico's been around for a while. He's like, I don't know, was he 27, 28? And I've I've never seen him be like a significant uh like premise or like a significant figure in tennis or anything like that, or somebody that people would actually want to bet on um well we faded him in the first quality with uh this was this not he's not swedish what <laughs> is he? yeah yeah Finish, so that yeah. was Finish. like one or two weeks ago and yeah he was, and the, the fin was up a set and a break mm-hmm. and he yeah and he and he his back seized he had back issues he still got into a third set tie break but he so this is the other part of it too the route they've taken to get here like Paddy has beaten no one other than Mimir Kachmanovic, who's not a quick hardcore player. Ben Shelton is. And the best comparison was Otto Virtanen, who is infinite, has less variety and infinitely less athletic. And he dominated Paddy until he got hurt and he still took him to a third set tie break. Shelton's just better here. And I'm, I've got two yeah. units down at m- minus 135. I'm taking another one at minus 120. Yeah, because don't they have the same weapons? Like they both just have big serves. Um, but is Shelton's just more versatile in the end, right? Far, yeah. Far yeah. more. Exactly. So I, I don't even understand this small disparity of money line. I it, it, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm sold on Shelton. All right, guys. Well, my next play here is Holger Runa laying five games against Maxime Cressy. Cressy, short rest, played yesterday with his match getting pushed uh, in two previous meetings, one on indoor hard and one on clay. Runa has not dropped a set to Cressy. Now, Cressy, Obviously, a bit of a different cat on these Aussie courts, uh, at least the last two years. Uh, and he's a tie-break machine. Uh, but Runa rolled in his first match, uh, and I look for him to do the same here on Kia Arena. On Kia Arena, with the weather not too bad either. If Pressy sneaks out a tie-break, there's still time for Runa to recover. Pressy's a one-trick pony with the serve and volley. Feels like Runa's whole team, his whole existence is to not trip over a guy whose only deal is to serve in volley. Um, we're, we're seeing this kid uh, rise to superstar status, and I'm I'm going to bet on on the five here. Yeah, I always am hesitant to serve or to bet against one of these little serve bots, if you want to call them that, especially Maxine Cressy. Uh, it's just like you're going to have to what break at least once, I guess, in each of the three sets. And then if this thing goes five, you're going to have to, I don't know, you're going to have to pull out another break. Uh, the math for me is like uneasy for me, but if you got 
faith in Rona. I mean, go, go for it. I am. I'm rooting for you. I have uh, a couple Runa futures, like season long things that I've that I've locked up some some money in. Uh, I have him to finish in the top ten. Uh, I have him to beat. I think Sinner and Chapo in the in the uh, year end ranking, like year end rank. So if he can amass some points early in the season, I'm sitting pretty right. He he was out here first round last year to Kwon Soon Wu. Uh, from two sets to one up back when he was still cramping, still having issues that kind of not torpedoed his whole season, but he didn't make anything past a second round at tour level until end of April uh, when he won the Munich title. And then he kind of went on a little run, disappeared, went on a run. So if he can build up some points at this part of the season, make that third round, potentially go further. I'm a happy camper, man. I mean, he's right now in the live ranks. He's at number nine. Uh, and he's got a lot of time to build up some points. He's got a lot of big events where he made, you know, second round because he had to qualify, but he's not going to have to qualify anymore. So, yeah, I'm rooting you on. Uh, I'd love to see him jump up uh, and stat, you know, pad those kind of ranking points uh, using tonight's match. All right. And then the, the, my last, <clears throat> my third uh, bet, well, this isn't really a best bet, but I'm I'm going to play this uh, because uh, I just, I, I see some value on this, but conventional wisdom is to fade Andy Murray in round two, especially on the heels of a long grueling five set match that went all the way to the end. Uh, but I'm going to play Andy Murray plus two and a half and sprinkle the money line at plus plus one forty five up from one forty earlier. It could continue to grow. Um, you know, Kakanakis is the deserved favorite here with the courts that suit him and the home crowd on his back. Here at Margaret Court Arena, but this is a bad matchup for Kakanakis, who can struggle from the baseline and, quite frankly, is a very average singles tennis player. All right, there's a huge mental edge in this matchup if Murray's body can hold up, and it's not like Murray won't have some fans as well. I just I feel like conventional wisdom, everyone, everybody's going to be on Kakanakis, and I'll take a shot with Murray. I. I got a little bit nervous. I was listening to the tennis podcast um, when they were talking about their media day coverage and uh, Murray was like super on it at his media day thing. Like he was like, I'm like in good shape. I probably the best shape I've been in. I feel good about my chances. Uh, now that was about the Berrettini match. Um, but I mean, they were all kind of taken aback on the podcast by his sort of intensity in that uh in that press conference. So uh, I'm not, you know, factoring a ton of that into my handicap, but it does seem like uh, there's a lot of momentum for, for Murray to hang on here in this match. I mean, Kakanagas was, he has the serve, but man, this guy's, I just think he stinks. (laughs) Yeah, no, this one I'm with you on. Uh, It's funny that you said that you think that Murray is a bad opponent for, Kakanakis. I think a lot of players are bad opponents for bad matchups for Kakanakis. But um, yeah, yeah. I don't think that the fatigue factor is really going to make a big play in this just because Kakanakis' game's kind of built around his serve and um, it's just quick points and stuff too. So I don't think Murray's going to be running all over the place in this. Uh, obviously, he's a smarter player. Maybe it's on Liver again and that will. <laughs> speed of the court might help him out again but yeah two and a half games is what they're giving him a plus 135 money line i'm with you on that one 
It's on Margaret Court. I looked it up. It's on Margaret Court. Ugh. All right. Still with you on that so, one, though. Um, shout out to Ray do Cybro. I think a Portuguese or Brazilian account, I believe. Uh, one of my followers responded when I was having a conversation with a few other people about, you know, Murray first set money line at 2.20, a.k.a. plus 120. That is a lovely angle. Try and minimize the potential for him to start to fatigue. You're absolutely right. The mental edge is with Murray. Uh, I actually would rather him be in quick conditions if you want to bet him because he's an elite returner. That's why he's been so dominant on grass, right? When he is tough to break and he has a massive edge on return and his serve is playing up, you're screwed. If you're a bad returner like Kokonakis generally is, you're in big trouble. So... I would think that if there's any way to play Kokonakis, it would be wait for a live spot to see Murray kind of break down. You can see that he's a step slower. He's not getting to all the balls. He can't defend as well. He's not putting them back as deep in the court. That's probably when I'd pounce on Kokonakis, but I'd wait till a live spot. I'm not going to be laying juice with him here. I'm not laying games if Murray is going to have his serve play up and play against Kokonakis' return game. And I think that if you're going to play Murray, kind of just minimize that ability to get screwed by him breaking down physically and try and take first set or first, you know, first set even plus one and what or whatever the the first set um, spread would be. I think that's how I'd approach that matchup with Andy Murray. I like that angle. Very smart. This is why we have three of us here. I'm gonna bet that. <laughs> I'm gonna bet that first. Uh set right now <laughs> i mean i'm not joining you I, I i'm gonna be waking up for it uh cheering against andy murray except for the first set so you win your bet of course and then i'm uh, hoping to see a spot where i can bet coconut live but i think that's the right way to go about it all right. right well other plays i like uh moving off the best but pl- plays i like is uh rusevori plus six against rublev uh we've seen rusevori push uh you know players here at the ao before with him going five was it five or four? But with him, you know, pushing FAA like he did last year, uh, you know, Rublev, he loves losing first sets. Like, <laughs> that's that's his thing. Uh, Rusevori's, you know, he's got a pretty decent serve, pretty good forehand. He's shaking the baseline, but it's not like, you know, Rublev is uh, Mr. Baseliner. So uh, I, I think it's a pretty fat game line to chase Rusevori. And I... Speaking of first set money lines, I was taking a peek at that. It's at plus one ninety uh, with with meal. I don't hate that uh, either. Well, that's pretty much what I have uh, written down so far. John, what do you have uh, on your card for today? So I'm just going to go uh, to my sheet here. I want to quickly filter out the the women's stuff. Um, I also think that that Dennis Kudla might present a bit of value uh, again. Uh, plus too. 175 because look I, he is a strong quick court player little disappointing in qualifiers but take the kind of player that beat him in qualifiers from a set down no less and it's a totally different opponent someone who just makes you play a ton of balls gets everything back has a sneaky like decent first serve not great and Alexi Krutik who ended up qualifying and frustrating him he comes in, plays Roman Safulin, beats him in, I believe, four sets. Safulin, big hitter, big power, didn't really bother him too, too much. The flatter hitting kind of played into his uh, game, if you will, right? He is a guy who likes a lower bounce. That's why he does so well on grass. He's jokingly known as like one of the very few grass specialists out there. 
because he likes a nice low bounce. Well, slick, quick Australian hard courts provide that. The only problem is if you get like a, a top spin player that has the ball bounce up, even on these courts, it'll it'll kick up a little bit. Ugo Bear is one of the flattest hitters you're going to find on, on tour, right? So this is actually kind of advantageous for Dennis Kudley. He can counterpunch the pace. He gets the ball in, in the, the kind of strike zone he wants. And Umber has done what exactly the last year and a bit? Beaten a, an old Richard Gasquet off a long week? And you're telling me he's a huge favorite here against Dennis Kudla. Why? Like Kudla's coming off a game against a flat hitter, against a power player, dispatchman for, was a huge underdog there. A smaller underdog here, but once again, like until they get him against flat power hitters, until they get him down closer to even money, like guys that are in his, you know, not even that much better than him talent-wise or rankings-wise, uh, I'm going to keep taking like large enough plus money. Uh, I didn't do it with Sefiel and he was my last cut. And I'm annoyed by it. Uh, so now I I, I want to jump in and, and make sure that this time I do capitalize. Even if the price isn't as uh, excessive, there, there's still enough for a play here, especially considering how well he matches up with, with Ugo. It's a dog sport, and I had zero dogs uh, so far. So we need it. We need – and yeah, Ugo stinks. So I I love this play. The Grisassin, Kudla. Uh, the Grisassin. I, I love that. <laughs> uh, I love that play. What well, do you have another one? Grigor Dimitrov. Everything inside me screams Grigor should absolutely roll and I should be hammering um, the minus five and a half. Everything. I've kept myself somewhat disciplined, but there's a few things here. One, his first his serve was clicking against Karatsev. I think he won 86% of his first serves uh, and 69% of his second serves, which is, you know, bloody ridiculous. He faced... One break point the whole match in three sets. Look, Jerry's a better returner, uh, but he's off his favorite surface. He doesn't like quick courts. Dimitrov does prefer them. He's made the semis here. You know, we've always, you know, flatter hitter, big serve, power, and pretty athletic too for a guy that plays uh, his game. You keep the point shorter. You don't let him, you know, get out uh, IQ'd on court, if you will, by keeping the points nice and short. Hit ball, hit winner, move on. That's his. That's perfect for him. Uh, don't try and make him think through twenty shot rallies. It's not going to go well for you. So he, you know, he's looking good there. Looked great in his first round match, which doesn't mean a whole a whole lot with him because he can be, you know, hot and cold match to match. But the surface edge is huge too. Like Dejere didn't look great against Zizou Bergs. He when when there was a dominated set, it was Zizou who won it. The first set was a lot of errors from uh, the Belgian. And that was a kid who hadn't played a lot of best of five tennis and it caught up to him. And he's, you know, his body perennially lets him down. But he was, he won a set 6-1. He was up 3-2 and 4-3 with the break in the third set as well before running into those physical issues and bottoming out. Well, Dimitrov has a very similar profile. Big game, can move around the court well, likes hard courts, especially more than DeGere, except he's got a lot more experience at best of five and he doesn't break down nearly as easily. And if you're going to have a lopsided set, which you might need to cover a minus five and a half, it's almost, it's almost always going to go in the way of Grigor Dimitrov in this matchup, just because it's, it's so hard to break him several times uh, on this kind of quick court with his serve. So I just think that minus five and a half, there is value. Could you justify going large here? Sure. I think it's a six and a half or seven game spread as the true number. I have limited myself to one unit because I've got a ton of outlay 
and frankly, just, you know, stressing yourself out over, you know, sweating a, a Grigor Dimitrov favorite game spread is just not, you know, the most plus EV decision for your mental health. Zera is a pretty notorious slow starter too. So if you, you get up and then you get, ner- so if Dimitrov gets up early and, and you get nervous, you'll have some options to to bail out on that, to hedge a little bit, I think as well. Um, I, I don't see Zera now, now watch him win the first set. Now that I said that, but <laughs> <laughs> memory, memory comes to mind that when I bet on Zera plus games, he usually is like in a pretty big hole and has to come back to do so. Uh, dropped the first set to Munar the other uh, the other night. What was that? Auckland. Um, so I don't know if this uh, means anything, but he's uh was three and six last year against one handed backhands. Granted, all one handed backhands are fairly different, but um, even in those six losses, he only won two of the sets. And you know what the funny thing is? Is this isn't one. Like Grigor's is one that isn't typically rushed. Like the one weapon I think Dejere does have is like the inside out forehand which of course would go into Grigor's backhand but this is the one kind of one-handed backhand that I watch and I'm like he doesn't really ever seem rushed or you know kind of back on his heels trying to defensively push them back he's he 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 sets them up really really well right he's been playing with it forever um and I think he's one of the more natural I think that's one of the reasons why they crowned him kind of baby fed and lumped those expectations onto him which probably crushed any chance he had of ever living up to them uh, was because that one-handed backhand was from an early age. It was just so seamless, right? Guys like Shapovalov have had adventures trying to kind of tame it and get it under control and not hit errors and not be rushed on that side. So I, I, that's the one thing. The one thing that Dejere does well is actually not even, it, it's not even that much of a, a matchup advantage for him against Grigor. It's just a terrible, terrible matchup, but it's still Grigor Dimitrov. Right, and he can be his own worst enemy. And in the matchups like this, he typically is when he doesn't um, win easily. <laughs> Better career though than uh, Harold Miner, who they labeled Baby Jordan. So good, good for Dimitrov <laughs> to do something with his career. Uh, Brooks, be rude. I know you got a take on this one, John. Yeah. Okay. So Brooksby on a quick court is at his best. Right. He needs them. He's under. He's got a ton of variety, ton of defensive ability. Moves well for a guy that I think is like six four, six five. Like he's a big kid. Doesn't serve like it. Doesn't hit like it. But and he doesn't move like it either on the plus side. So he kind of needs these quicker courts um, to help him out. We know when he gets onto clay, he really struggles. He doesn't like uh, you know having to generate pace. He can't really hit through anyone. It's not you know he doesn't slide as well. Like it's he's just unnatural. But again. This is where he's thrived. He's really good to start the year. Hasn't played the best competition. But we can see already um, his hold rate is up pretty significantly over uh, 2022 on hard courts where he held at like a 78% rate. He's at 85.7. He broke at a 27% rate now at 28.5. So he hasn't lost anything from that strong return game and, and using that kind of variety and getting back to neutral points and inducing errors and playing that junk ball. He hasn't lost any of that, but he's added a a lot to being able to hold serve. And that's because the ACE rate is up by about one percentage point. His first serve win percentage is up by almost three percentage points. And his second serve win percentage is up by three percentage points. Those seem like small numbers, but I mean, over the course of a match where you've played all these points and, and again, where big situations 
can come down to one point. There's a ton of variance. Having every single uh, added percentage point you can have is a pretty big leap. He just plays well on the on these courts. You get to slower courts again. We'll we'll see if he's there. I don't know if it, if his serve has actually improved a ton, or whether this is just you know a byproduct of the courts he's playing on. It doesn't matter. The fact is they're still playing quick. And I still trust him uh, to be able to to apply constant pressure to Rude, who is the opposite. He's shown he's a- able on quick courts, right? The U.S. Open, he kind of proved himself. Um, but a lot of the success still coming on clay, still coming in Miami, mud slow courts. Hasn't looked all that dominant this year. Lost to Matteo Berrettini in straights. Lost to Jera as much as that was a situational loss. Uh, Mahach was a much closer match than you would than you would anticipate against you know a guy who also prefers quick courts. The only dominant win was against Tiago Montero. So Rude, the serve has improved. The first serve, the second serve is still a liability. The backhand is a liability on hard courts. The forehand is strong, but he can't. It's not pure power that hits through Jensen Brooksby. It's still got a lot of top spin to it. And that's part of its strength, which is, again, more effective on clay. I just think the surface edge goes, you know, really tightens this one up. And that's not reflected in the markets. And so I took the the plus games and I took a bit of the money line as well for Jensen. I feel like Rude is a player that often plays to the level of his opponent. Like <laughs> if it's someone he's like clearly better than, he'll go for long stretches just playing even uh, with them. So Brooksby obviously having a, a pretty good game at a pretty high level. Uh, I think there's going to be opportunities here for Brooksby to to make some waves and hit some winners and get some big points going. Uh, what about first set plus one seventy? Now I'm on these first sets. Who's the, oh first set? <laughs> first set plus one seventy. Yeah, I don't hate I don't hate that either. But it's plus two sixty for the overall, and like he's not someone that's going to run out of energy. I mean, he's a pretty physical player, so. Anything from, you know, Brooksby had that big win against Chorich at the U.S. Open. Uh, I don't think uh, Chorich and Root are one-for-one one comparison, but certainly don't think that they're entirely different ballparks of uh, players. Um, so and a lot. I, Go ahead. Even in a down year, I think, you know, in his career at least, he's pushed some top players. He hasn't really beaten any. Uh, he was dominated by Alcaraz by the final score, but he was up three loves serving in one of those sets at the U.S. Open. Uh, I think he has a win at some point in his career against Stefano Tsitsipas, if I'm not mistaken. That was last year at Indian Wells. And that's even that's on a slow court as well. So uh, he beat Hachanov there. He's taken on some big names. Um, you know, beat Francis Tiafo in Atlanta. It's not like he's all that scared of going up against some of the better players that we have in today's game and, and either competing, pushing, uh, competing with them, pushing them, or or straight up beating them. If you can't game plan for him properly, he is a nightmare to deal with. And then you factor in the quick courts, you know, enhancing that serve and allowing him to to hold 85% of the time as he has so far this year. That is a that's a tough player to deal with. A guy who returns as well as he does, a guy who kind of makes you play as many balls, who throws a bunch of junk balls at you, and then holds his own serve at an 85% rate. That's some pretty good stuff. And he's back in the top 40 in his own right right now. So it's not, again, this is not a 70th ranked player who game plans and matches up well with top guns and pushes them and surprises us. Like a Yoshihito Nishioka last year with all those covered spreads. Like Jensen is inside the top 50 himself and that's coming off a down year. He's been as as high as 33. It's, It's not like he's a pushover and should be plus 260 
uh, was when I got the money line um, against Casper here on a quick court, no less. Derek, any Brooksby's odds or plays in your pocket? Dude, I saw that line and I didn't know what the heck to do with it. Um, I do like John's explanation, but I'm still scared to take that. I'm just going to sit back and watch. I think it's going to be a good match in general. For sure. Any uh, in-pocket plays for you, Derek? Uh, For this round, no. I got some for tomorrow, though. You want to kick things off for tomorrow? Um, Well, let's quick hit because there's a couple ones I would love to just quick hit. Um, What about – are we – Michael Muh, or how 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 do you say his name? <laughs> uh, Michael Mo versus Zverev. Now Zverev, obviously, uh, a much better player. Um, but are we buying into uh, this guy's uh, rehab? Uh, maybe preventing him from a a, a six game cover uh, in this matchup. The fade fade the injured player angle. Where I'm going with that. Yeah, I don't know. I, he's still in a testing period for me. I, I don't really want to put money on the line just to see if he's going to, you know, get through or not get through. Wolf yeah, is I'm, up to I'm a f- on the fence there. Yeah, I'm on the Wolf, fence there. I agree. I agree. I'm on the fence. Uh, Wolf is up to five games over Schwartzman, taking a lot of money on the Wolf side in this. The money line hasn't moved all that much, but up a full game from earlier today. Um. Man, I want Wolf to win that so bad, but I am scared he will blow it. And then there was one more, which was the uh, Popperin-Fritz matchup. Uh, Popperin getting a pretty healthy six and a half games. Fritz, another guy that loves to play with this competition, um, just leave the door completely wide open <laughs> for the opponent <laughs> to come into. And they have this at 35. So, I mean... They're expecting Fritz to just roll over this guy who's been pretty hot so far in January in Australia. I think Fritz is going to win this, but damn, six to one on the money line? I don't know, man. It's a pretty good price <laughs> just to take a shot. You never know with Fritz. Um, all right, well, let's turn the page to round three. Uh, I have a couple plays here I can kick us off with uh, that I'm sure you guys will hop on. And I have a pretty quick explanation. And uh, I took Tiafo money line at minus 105. Versus uh, Hatchinoff. To me, this is a big foes match to lose. He's a better all-around tennis player. He's a showman that feeds off the energy of the crowd, which he will get. And you're getting him as a slight dog. I mean, it's a fantastic play to me. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I mean, they're both similar sluggers. And he Stiafo's sitting at minus 105. Like you said, it's just a slight dog. But like, even if you just were to put them together i mean at the same odds like i would take tiafo every time now you're getting a little bit of advantage with the odds so yeah i'm with you i'm gonna be right in ha- with you shotgun on the tiafo match a little more consistency fewer peaks or sorry fewer valleys in his game uh since that since the us open he's just been hammering like against shang even just crushing serves and i mean he's been finding holds consistently for a while now um, and that coupled with just much more rally tolerance than, than Hachanov brings to the table without giving up too much in the aggression or, or ability to hit winner's department. I don't see how he's not a favorite here. That'll be my write-up for betting expert for uh, for tomorrow. And then my next one was getting back aboard the Nishioka train. Uh, minus three, lay in the three games versus Mack and McDonald off the big win. These guys just recently played. In Adelaide, where Yoshi won in straight 6-4, 6-3 after two huge wins for McDonald. 
solid chance for a letdown here. Now that you know, you could tennis is a stay in the flames type sport, so I don't blame people for chasing McDonald here in the least. But uh, I don't bet against Yoshi anymore. In fact, I'm this guy's an insane ROI player uh, over the last uh, five months. So uh, I'm getting back aboard the train again. Here's my ticket. Uh, punch it. Let's go. Yeah, this is the second play that I had on my list. Uh, I swear to God, like I've been betting against this guy for the last two rounds. So now I, he is the most watched player that I've watched at this entire tournament because of that. Not because I'm a Mackey fan, but just because of who he's been playing. I feel like I'm just going to will this guy to win this entire tournament if I keep betting against him. But I'm going to do it again. And uh, But, I mean, reason being in this one, it's like he's Mackey's been playing against two guys, one with limited movement. That would be Nakashima. And then against a dude with no movement in Rafa. And then now he's going to be playing against the guy that can move the most, which is Nishioka. So I think he's just going to bring a whole different game, obviously, than what he's been playing against. And he's just, and Nishioka is also just in form as well. So I I think he's just going to take over Mackie and minus three is a pretty good price, I believe. Totally agree with that. Like Nakashima doesn't have the defending or the returning abilities that Nishioka does. And like, he makes he'll make errors and Mackie can just take time away with a flatter ball. The, he doesn't have enough power. Like he has the flatter ball to take time away from opponents, but he doesn't have enough power. He needs both to really hit through Nishioka. And I think that's why he had trouble with him at Adelaide. I think that's why it's a terrible matchup for Mackie. And I'll I'll be on Nishioka as well. All right. Other round three plays. Chapo. I love I it. like Chapo. <laughs> I was look. gonna go Chapo too, man. <laughs> I've, yeah. And he's a dog. And he's a dog. I, I did not I think know. I'd get dog. I was I was ready to lay two games and pray he didn't have a stinker one six set. Now I could just take the money line and be like, okay, if he pisses away a set, you know, six two, six one to to her catch, it doesn't really matter on the game spread. Obviously, it matters. You don't you'd rather get it done in straights, but um not laying games is ideal for me here with Dennis Shapovalov. Her catch is a counter puncher. Um, off, but primarily off the forehand wing, the serve. I don't want to say it wasn't clicking against Senegal because he did turn it on in those final two sets, but through like three and a half sets, or he had like six aces against Senegal. I think Chapo's a more natural hard court. I think he's got more power than Senegal, and Senegal's big weapon when he does play on hard courts, and he, I think he won a title in Mets. It's that first serve. Well, I mean, Chapo can can bring that first serve, and he can probably get. Hercatch pinned in cross-court rallies to Hercatch's backhand, right? So Hercatch can be a counterpuncher, but it's primarily off the forehand wing. If Chapel can keep him on that backhand wing, now this requires, again, tactics and, and game planning, which not his forte. But I, I just think that Chapo has such a great match advantage here. Hercatch coming off five sets. Hercatch really not really even getting to this round. Maybe he's going to play loose and with nothing to lose because he doesn't really generally get to third rounds of hardcourt slams, but Quick court, give me uh, Denis Shapovalov. Maybe the over here as well uh, is a look. But the, the dog and the over in a matchup with a lefty with power into that Hercatch backhand wing seems like a nice uh, seems like a nice proposition. You know, we talked on the last pod about Sinego, uh not being a great hard quarter, which he's not. But watching that Nuno uh, match in the first round, I didn't see a ton of this the Hubie one. Uh, quite yet, but I, it was just a reminder that you know what makes Sonego great is he's a fucking shot maker. Um, so Shapo also in that bucket as well. Um, mm-hmm. so a, a, a lot, a, a few similarities there, and then 
Chapel, obviously the, the, the you know the more traditional hard quarter with the bigger serve, and he's gonna give. The, the great thing is uh, Hubie's not a big rally guy either, so the points should be pretty quick. So that'll help out Chapel as well. Any other third round action you guys like? Uh, I got a hesitant pick, but I really want to know what you guys think about this one. Uh, what do you think about Corda plus six against Med? I mean, Corda has got some power. He can has some variety. Um, not that Medvedev really gets thrown off by variety or anything like that, but he can always adjust his game. But do you feel like six games is a lot or what? Oh, man, I'm so torn on that one. It's like yeah. he's been playing so well, and it, he's got the power to actually give Medvedev a ton of problems, even as great defensively as Medvedev is along the baseline, especially behind his own serve. It's going to come down to, does he, can he keep serving the way he has early on in the season? Because if he can, then yeah, he can give meds issues. But gosh, if that serve is not, if it regresses to being you know below average for his height or just average in general, mm-hmm. that's where I think Medvedev takes over. And Med, meds is just destroying souls right now. It, <laughs> I just, but yeah, six games is a lot of games to give. Uh-huh. A kid who's on fire, who has incredible weapons from the baseline, who's some like decently athletic, uh, and whose serve has been playing up this the start to the year. That's a lot of games, man. The only thing I would say is if you want to play Corda, I might find another way to play because Med is really great at covering huge numbers. <laughs> like you think, especially like Over. if you think you're yeah, like if you think that uh you know you're you're solid after a one set win. And then all of a sudden it's six one the next set out of nowhere. I mean, uh, it's just thinking about all the times I'd like chase a big number with Med and it just doesn't I, I the opposite. I I wish I would have laid the eight last night with Medvedev, to be honest. I was like, that seems like a huge number, and he covered it easily. So but I mean, yeah, I I you know I'm a quarter guy, quarterbacker, got the top twenty talk from the the preview episode. So I definitely like quarter to make this match competitive. That's for sure. So mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I'm scared. I'm being scared. It's my short answer. <laughs> Another match to talk, talk about in, in terms of how to back a guy without maybe laying the games um, would be like Greek Spore against Tsitsipas. Now, yeah. like Steph has been rolling uh, and I think he's been super impressive. But geez, Greek Spore's on fire. He's been serving super well. Um, and he's got like weapons on the quick hard courts. Has the the Puna title? Has been playing well here. Med uh, Steph still not maybe an elite returner. You know uh, who's he beat? He's beaten Quentin Lee. He recovered a break in the third set. I think he found one in each other set. And then he crushed Rinky, who's not the biggest server, but that Quentin Lee is again serve forehand. Not the greatest athlete. If you can move the ball around the court, you can work your way in. Talon Creek Spore moves decently. Decent athlete. Big weapons. I don't know if I would take. You know, you can get seven games, which is again a ridiculous amount. But the way this kid can redline the two and a half sets is plus money. The plus two and a half sets. So just to win a set uh, gets you there. A potential first set over uh, between these two. It's even money for over nine and a half. So I mean. Now you're down to a coin flip of who serves first. If Greek Sports serves first, he needs to be broken twice uh, to, to have that not get there. I think even without him serving first, there's value. Like there's there's certain ways to approach City Pass Greek Sport that, that show uh, decent amounts of value there. I was looking at Fucevic plus seven and a half against center. Uh, 
Martone seems to be relatively in form, at least, you know, as healthy um, on the healthier side. Uh, if he didn't take uh, his shirt off, would you feel like he's still in form? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I mean, just he's been, you know, um, kind of banged up and injured, um, but he seems to be um, trending up there. And uh, he's just got an annoying game where he makes guys uh, rally a little bit too much. And center can miss, man. Center can just like, cough up some points so i mean he's been rolling as well so i'm scared to run into that fire but i do think there's a pathway uh for martone to, to cover that seven and a half so we've reached the point in the in the center narrative where injury concerns exist before tournament center rolls through one match okay not a good player center rolls through second match uh-oh now he's rolling I'm not going to fade. He's fine. Sinner arrives at third match against physical opponent. Injury pops up out of nowhere after no indication of the first two matches. And you're kicking yourself for not having taken the damn Fuchsiewicz ticket. I'm not going to take Fuchsiewicz and you could just feel it coming. You can just feel it like, okay, he's not hurt. He looks fine. He looks actually really good. And then third set of that match, he'll be, he'll be busted up, lose it six, seven, and then run out of steam. And, and you just know it's coming. You do. You do know it's coming. (laughs) Center, man. All right. What about Laheshka has won a set against Cam Norrie in uh, their previous matches? I believe they played two other times. Um, And he's five and a half right now. Uh, I feel like Laheshka is a a winner hitter, and that typically does pretty well uh, against Norrie. Um, Now, he does kind of give up the free points with unforced errors. Uh, and he doesn't have the greatest serve. Like big servers, I think have a lot of success against Nori. Um, but they have this booked. I mean, under thirty six here, they have this booked uh, as a pretty you know easy win for Nori against a player. He's definitely dropped sets too. He's been playing down to his competition too, somewhat this year. Like that Constant Lestien match, he was uh, you know one all in sets. I think I think Lestien served for the. Th- third as well or was up five two or five three or something like that's playing down to a guy he he has just he he's better than in every sense of the word uh who doesn't possess a ton of power marcos garone took a set off of him despite getting crushed in the other two yuri lahechka of course as you just mentioned you know and then he beat he, he needed three sets to beat a clearly hampered nadal and his straight sets victories have come against like van ash brooksby and demon hour guys who are all underpowered that he just is like Oh, your game is predicated on consistency. I'm the king of consistency. And like, you're not going to beat me at this. And they haven't with weapons. It just, it just, it feels like Nori is what eight and one this year. And it's probably one of the worst eight and ones you've seen in a while. And he was, you know, the, the one is the, the one match he had no business losing from like three love, love 43, like four break points to go four love up in the third set to an old man in Richard Gasquet. I I don't know. It's just, uh, I, I'd love to take Lehechka. He's just a little error prone for me. And and agree there. That's my issue with him against Cam. Um, If you do, I mean, if you can find an over or a sets number instead, because that one could be like the same thing as Les Tien, right? Like, um, sorry, the same thing as the Garone match where he just crushes a couple sets and there's one tie break that Lehechka redlines that set to win. It's the same thing against Lehechka in Auckland, right? 6-4, 6-7, 6-3. He did it against Garone. He did it against Lehechka, where if you're redlining against him, you can take a set from him, but it's usually going to be in a tiebreak. 
Now, I said that he won some sets uh, against him, um, but then Nori will turn around and absolutely crush him in the, in the following set. Um, right. Let me pull this up real quick. Um, he, yeah, he did it in Auckland to both Lehechka and Garone, right? He dropped yes. the tiebreak to each of them, but Garone, he beat 6-1 and 6-2 in the other two sets, and Lehechka 6-4 and 6-3 in the other two sets. So, like... He, he he needed three sets to win those matches, but he won by four games in one and eight games in the other, <laughs> despite a three-set win. Like that's it's pretty rare. It's pretty rare to see. All right, boys. Well, we have reached the end of the line. If we didn't talk a match, if we didn't talk about a match you wanted to bet on, uh, sorry. Um, but feel free to hit us up uh, on the on the timeline. Uh, thank you all for uh, listening to us once again. We're having a lot of fun. We're going to be back. Uh, sooner than our our weekly status uh, that we have in season uh, to keep the slam talk going here. Uh, any final thoughts heading into the action, boys? I'd say best of luck. And if somebody who has 22 slams and is the defending champion is down a set, don't make a sizable bet on them. <laughs> words to live by uh there will be live opportunities though uh in general uh coming up uh so make sure you are paying attention follow john at jr tweets tennis at tidbins tennis follow derek at nagal versus fair follow us at mp9 tennis uh, until next time see you in the court